Hello, I'm Danny Aiken, president of Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We want to thank you for listening to this chapel message. Our mission at Southeastern is to seek to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by equipping students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. We hope that you enjoy this chapel message and that you will visit our website. It's www.sebts.edu. There you can learn more about our school and what the Lord is doing here. We hope you enjoy the message. Thank you for being a part of what we're doing here. Well, good morning. Really glad to be with you today, and it's really my humble honor to stand here and to, and to preach for a few moments out of God's Word, and hopefully it will be a word that blesses and ministers to you. If you were listening closely to those wonderful songs that our worship band was singing and leading us in worship, they really preached the sermon that I have today because I just want to remind all of us, um, especially this week as we have now had an election, I guess you all know that we had a presidential election this week. And so um, all of us have interesting feelings about that as we think about authority and the fact that we're about to change the guard on a new commander-in-chief and the authorities and powers that are invested uh, in our national leaders through the Constitution of the United States. Regardless of how you voted, and I hope you did vote, let us never forget that our supreme authority in all of life In everything we do, it's all about Jesus Christ, our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. And if you hear anything in the message this morning, as I even give it to you right up front, I I really sense in my heart, maybe it's just for me, I'm preaching to myself this morning, but everyone who calls upon the name that is above all names, Jesus Christ, we must settle the issue of authority in our life in regards to who Jesus is. I wish that my dear friend, Dr. Danny Aiken was here. Um, I don't know him that well other than in the spirit. We were together a few weeks ago at a, at a conference and I kept being um, misidentified. Everyone thought I was Dr. Aiken, so I guess we look alike, except I know he doesn't wear the tie and some other things. But every time I hear that man, open God's Word and preach, I fall deeper in love with the Word of God. And every time I listen to Him, I also have a greater desire to more sincerely and humbly and obediently and passionately pursue the Lord. So pray for Him as He's under the weather this week. I want to remind you that tomorrow is Veterans Day. Some of you, if I can just remind you of the history of that day, at the end of World War I, all of the nations that were involved in that war to end all wars declared that on the 11th day of the 11th month, at the 11th hour, people will pause and pray that there will be no more wars. And of course, we all know we continue to have wars and rumors of wars. This is an especially significant Veterans Day this year as we commemorate the 75th anniversary of those who were killed at Pearl Harbor, the day that lives in infamy when early on a Sunday morning, our forces were attacked in Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, and in 90 minutes, 2,400 lay dead, 1,100 wounded, and we entered into World War II where we had 400 and 
5,000 men and women killed in the United States military alone. Rick Atkinson, who is a military historian, has recently broken down the staggering impact of that one war that lasted 2,174 days. Think of this. 27,600 were killed daily. 1,150 were killed an hour. 19 a minute. One every three seconds. We need to pray for peace in this world as we have troops deployed in some 110 nations around the world. So let us not only remember those who gave their lives in these two world wars, but the Korean War, the Vietnam War, Desert Shield, Desert Storm, Operation Iraqi Freedom, Operation Enduring Freedom, and all the other operations that are going on this day. Because right this very moment, somewhere in the world, we have Marines that are exercising security operations in the mountains of Afghanistan. We have soldiers that are embedded with Peshmerga um, near Mosul, Iraq, as they are trying to push back and defeat ISIS. We have airmen who are flying supplies into Bosnia and Kosovo. We have sailors who are guarding the seas on the Pacific. And because of all that they're doing for you and me and all that our military has done for the past 241 years, we still maintain the freedom of assembly, the freedom of speech, and the freedom of worship. Because some young man or woman has raised their hand to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, to bear true faith and allegiance to the same, so that you and I today might be in this place worshiping Jesus Christ as our Savior and our God. Matthew chapter 8, beginning with verse 5. A familiar text, one of my favorites as a soldier. Anyone who's been in the military has heard this many times, but the Lord has recently just emblazoned on my soul a primary truth that I'd like to share with you this morning, and it has to do with settling the issue of authority. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, my servant lies at home paralyzed and is in terrible suffering. Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. The centurion replied, Lord, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes. I tell that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I'll tell you the truth. I've not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then Jesus said to the centurion, go, it will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very hour. Father, take these few words, use them, Father, for your glory. May we settle the issue of authority in our life. May you truly be Lord in everything and in every season. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it was early April 2003. For some reason, I was thinking about 
where I was that particular day and I was actually at the Baghdad International Airport uh, just on the outskirts of Baghdad. It was a beautiful day. The air was cool, very much like today. It's, it was hard to believe it was that cool in the, in the desert where it often raises to 135 to 140 degrees. It was quiet. And it was actually hard to believe that we were sitting in a, in a war zone with the exception of every now and then you'd hear occasional gunfire in the distance. And then all of a sudden there was just an, a terrible explosion. I, I heard this running and screaming and orders being given. And then I heard that word that many of us who've served as military chaplains here, that stern, almost blood curdling, chaplain! And I ran to the site where the explosion was and there were three soldiers that were on the ground. One was dead, one was bleeding out, and there was a third one that, that really there was no appearance of any injuries. And so our assumption was that the concussion had basically knocked him unconscious and he was laying there. So we were going to roll him over and administer uh, first aid to him. And as he was rolled over, this young man had taken the brunt of the explosion and he, he, he didn't have a face. I, I can't describe it other than it didn't look human. So we rushed this young man to the medical tent and called the medevac to come and get him while we tried to sustain his life. I stood at the foot of that young man who appeared to be dying because his body began turning blue and white. And I looked around the room feeling, I'm going to be honest with you, I, I felt helpless. I looked at the medics and the medics were in somewhat of a panic as they were giving all kinds of medical supplies and trying to help the surgeon who was, had a grave concern on his face as he was trying to save this man. The company commander, a young captain, was standing beside me and he was crying and I hadn't seen many Many officers crying, but he certainly was. And suddenly the doc handed me something and it was a pair of bloody dog tags. I, again, I was like, I'm not, why did he hand me these dog tags? And as I smeared off the blood to see his name and his social security number and his denomination, Protestant, I realized that it was my moment to do something that chaplains are supposed to do as we tend to the, to the living and the dying and honoring the fallen. I was supposed to pray for this man, but how do you pray for a man who doesn't have a face? I prayed a pitiful prayer. I asked God for a miracle. I asked God to save his life. I asked God to bless the doctors to say, Lord, save his soul. I don't know where he is. I've never had a chance to share the gospel with him but I felt completely helpless as a senior chaplain. I want you to think about those helpless moments that you've had in your life and perhaps you walked into this room today and you've, you're right in the middle of one. A, situ a situation where you are powerless to do anything about it. You can't change it, you can't correct it, you can't reboot it, you can't fix it. None of us, by the way, are completely in charge of anything. We don't have the power and authority 
or the right, in many cases, to control every situation. There are too many variables. There are too many factors. There are too many obstacles as a result of a fallen world. And my first thought as I look at the centurion here is that we need to be reminded that when we come to those crisis moments, that trauma that hits our life, we need to make sure we are reaching out to the right authority. There's no substitute for Jesus Christ when it comes to a particular trauma. Technically, anything in all of creation, no one has the right and the authority 24-7 other than our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The scripture says in Matthew 8, uh, 28, verse 18, that all authority on the heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus Christ. That means our risen Lord and Savior Jesus, who is coming again, has the ability, the right, the freedom, the power, the anointing, and the charge to exercise his authority over all things. And guess what? Here's the good news. He has given us the opportunity to exercise his authority for his glory as we live on this earth. But all authority belongs to him. The book of Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 says that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all of creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven, things on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones, powers, rulers, authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that in everything... Jesus Christ might have the supremacy. So the question is, have you settled the issue of authority in your life regarding Jesus being Lord? One of my heroes is Lieutenant Colonel Brian Birdwell. I haven't checked the, the news, but he's retired now from the military and represents uh, Senate District 22 in Fort Worth, Texas. On 9-11, he was in the Pentagon near the point of impact of American Airlines flight number 77. He would have been killed along with his coworkers with the exception of the fact that he had, nature had called and he'd gone to the bathroom. He said, I've never had such a timely uh, bathroom break in my entire life. As he was returning to his office, the plane impacted the Pentagon on the west wall and he experienced severe burns over 60% of his body. His legs, his back, his face, his neck, his arms. 40% of his body is skin grafted today, including his eye sockets, his forehead, his ears, his hands. His most life-threatening problem was because of the heat of burning jet fuel and the smoke that he had inhaled. Uh, he was drowning in his own bodily fluids as his lungs were feeling, filling up with fluid. He said at the point of death, helpless, he screamed, Jesus, I'm coming to you. He collapsed to the floor in the Pentagon waiting to die. And he was rudely awakened, he says, as the sprinklers came on and doused his burning body. He was rushed to the Georgetown Medical Center for treatment. And he said, at that point in my life, I had an inability to speak. Only Jesus could hear my screams. Isn't that like so many things in our life that even when we are speechless because of how we've been punched in the gut, 
our breath taken away by some traumatic event. The good news is that Jesus in authority over all of creation hears our screams. Even when we can't even pray the right words, the Holy Spirit is interceding for us and taking our specific prayers to heaven before we can even voice those prayer requests. Brian had 39 surgeries before he was released from the hospital and he finished out a dignified service to our nation and now serves as an elected official in the state of Texas. His testimony, he says this, I didn't survive that blast that hit the Pentagon from an 80-ton jet traveling 535 miles per hour with 3,000 gallons of jet fuel because the Army had trained me for such a situation. That was not in the training manual. But because my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who is Lord over everything, saved my life that day. I believe that sometimes we allow, God allows desperate situations in our life so that he can prove to us in the mystery of how God manages things that he is worthy of all of our requests and that he can meet all of our needs. Here's a centurion who had a desperate request and he was asking for help. The book of Luke chapter 7, the parallel passage said that the centurion had heard about Jesus and so he sent elders to Jesus asking for help. What do we know about a centurion? He was a professional military officer. He commanded some 100 troops. He was the backbone of the Roman army. He was a man's man. You became a centurion by fighting on the battlefield. He had the scars in his body to prove it. Centurions wore silver shiny armor as they stood out. They were point men. They, were, they directed things. They had the very power of Rome. One commentator said the reason the Roman army was so ferocious in war is that they feared the centurions more than they feared the enemy. That the centurion was compassionate. In all of the things on his life, he was compassionate for this servant. The scripture implies that he was a godly man. The Jewish leaders spoke well of him. They said, he loves our nation. He built our temple. He was a humble man. It takes humility to surrender to the authority of Jesus Christ. Jesus wants everything in our life. He wants us to hold nothing back. I don't know where you are in your, in your Christian pilgrimage, but Christ wants our mind, body, soul, spirit, and strength. One of my favorite devotionals is My Utmost First Highest, written by Oswald Chambers, who was the chaplain in World War I. I don't know if you saw the reading on November the 8th, the election. It's a very interesting reading. I challenge you to go back and read it. That day he reminded me through the scripture and the Holy Spirit that we are to ensure that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost who is within us. We are not our own. There's nothing that you have. There's nothing of who you are that belongs to you solely. Not your body. Not your possessions, not your loved ones, not your future, not your present. Everything belongs to the Lord. And Chambers reminded us on Tuesday, and I had a lot of thoughts on Tuesday about the election, that we need to ensure that we have the mind of Christ, which also belongs to him. Our consciousness belongs to Jesus. Our minds should be a shrine where God, through his Holy Spirit, 
can pour in holiness and sanctification and righteousness in our minds. And we allow nothing in our minds except the righteousness of God. So here's the centurion. He was desperate enough that he laid it all aside, even his humility. He laid aside his cultural differences, his status as a representative of Caesar. He laid aside his career. Surely he lost respect from his soldiers. The fact that he would worship some prophet from Nazareth. And most likely he laid aside his very life to reach out to Jesus. There's something else that he did. He released the outcome of that crisis to the Lord. He recognized the Lord's authority. He said, Lord, I know authority when I see it. I can do anything in the name of Caesar. I can seize property. I can throw people in jail. I can control the situation. I can make a life or death decision. But Lord, there's something about you that's different than my authority, but the limited authority that I have in the name of Caesar. You have, life, you have authority as a teacher of the law. You, you cure incurable diseases. You, you have authority over nature and, and the demonic. So, so Lord, just say the word and it'll be done. My servant's at the point of death, he needs help. And God, if you don't heal him, he's gonna die. Now there's something interesting in this request. I mean, it's not a prayer request. He's saying, Lord, you just say the word. Here's what I would like to happen in this situation. We all say that. But Lord, I surrender to your authority. It's settled. I'm giving this situation to you. Lord, the servant needs to be healed. And he can be healed if you just say the word. How about us? It's sort of like saying, Lord, I'm not going to demand you answer my prayer the way I want it answered. Lord, I'm not going to manipulate you. I'm not going to force my agenda on you. I'm not going to make a vow. I'm not going to beat myself so that you can do something for me. But Lord, you just say the word and it will be done. Because I believe that you have all authority. What does that mean? If you've settled the issue of authority in your life that Jesus truly is Lord, it means that you're willing to follow the Lord's leadership even when you don't know where it's leading you. It means that you're waiting patiently for God's timing without knowing when the time is going to come. It means that you can expect in faith a miracle without knowing how God's going to do it. It means you trust God's promises without even understanding why you're going through these trials and circumstances. It means having faith in God's heartfelt love and compassion for you when you can't even see his hand because of the problem. Jesus recognized this man's faith. Faith that exceeded the religious leaders who should have known authority when they saw it, faith that was representative of those who were in the citizenship of heaven, a faith that separates sheep from goats, wheat from chaff, believers from non-believers. So this passage begs the question, 
Do you and I have that kind of faith this morning? I mean, we're in seminary. We're learning, that, we're learning to do the stuff so that we can go to the ends of ages and make Jesus fame known by all nations. My brothers and sisters, I don't know what God has in the timetable for your life, but some of you are going to be in some of those difficult places where it will be life and death. And the power of God can move in your life to heal the sick, cleanse the leper, cast out demons, raise the dead, if you really believe and have settled the authority issue of Jesus Christ. Brothers, what did John Piper say? We, we, we're not really professionals. We're not professionals and this is kind of dirty business of being a shepherd, tending and feeding and caring for sheep. If you have not settled the issue of authority, you're gonna be rudely awakened as God plants you in the midst of some sheep who bite and kick and fight and give you sleepless nights. Have you settled the issue of authority? Many of you who don't even know if you'll have your daily bread today or in some ministry endeavor, and yet God says, I'll never leave you forsaken. You'll never see God's anointed begging for bread. That's what he says. Just say the word, Lord, and this person will be saved. Lord, just say the word and I can forgive this person for hurting me. Lord, just say the word and I can finally be healed, delivered, filled, redeemed, restored, reconciled, protected, preserved. Lord, just say the word because I know there's power over sickness and storms and separation and heartbreaking situations. Jesus rewarded the centurion's faith. So I think the message today for us, even now, we, the elect, are reminded to bring our requests to him. We're to release the outcome of some situation that is plaguing your life or keeping you sleepless. We're to release that into him with faith of the centurion saying, God, you can just say the word and it's going to be done because I'm expectant that you are, can do immeasurably more than I can ask or think. God, your will be done. Even Jesus in the garden. Lord, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. My father... If it's possible, you can take this cup from me. Just say the word, yet not my will, but yours be done. In preparation for this message, I had a hard, hard issue yesterday. I sat beside a grandmother who had just was coming back from Memphis, Tennessee, where her daughter Allie, 18 years old, very beautiful young lady, ballerina, has uh, brain cancer. She's just gone through the maximum number of radiation doses for her brain cancer. She can have no more radiation. The doctors don't know what kind of cancer it is. They're just calling it a number, like it's a number two, whatever that means. I mean, that's really, isn't that kind of comforting? We don't know what it is. We're just going to call it number two. And as I listened to this woman sharing her heart about a young 18-year-old girl named Allie, she really gave me an impossible 
diagnosis. But do you know, God can just say the word and that 18-year-old who's at the hands of doctors who don't know exactly what they're dealing with, that young girl can be healed, the cancer cells removed. And as I was driving up from Charlotte to here yesterday, that's what I prayed for Allie, for God to heal her, for her to baffle the doctors with her quick healing. So my, my, my challenge to you today and the struggles that so easily beset us here on this earth, may we just settle the word and it will be done. The Lord rewards real sincere faith of men and women who have settled the issue of the authority of Jesus Christ. To him be praised. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this chapel message from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. If you are thinking about theological education on the undergraduate or graduate level, including doctoral studies, we hope that you consider us. If you also find these chapel messages encouraging and a blessing to your walk with Christ, we hope that you will consider financially supporting Southeastern. Our graduates are literally serving the kingdom across this globe, working to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Your gifts will help to train more, and they will serve as a worthwhile investment in God's kingdom. You can find more information about attending Southeastern or supporting us financially at www.sebts.edu. We covet your prayers and trust that God will bless every good work you do for His glory. Thank you for joining us in our chapel services.